The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answers Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answers Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this hour is Joe Paul Sihai, who is the uh, person behind the Stacking Benjamins podcast, which is probably one of the best known and most widely followed podcasts in personal finance. Welcome to the show, Joe. Oh, nowhere near as known as this, Jordan. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, man. <laughs> Great to be with you. So let's just start with a little bit of your background uh, as a journalist, as a personal finance expert, and how you f- started uh, the Stacking Benjamins uh, podcast after your experience. Yeah, cool. So I I was a financial planner for 16 years uh, with a big company, Ameriprise Financial. I actually, for the last nine years of that, I also did media for them. I was one of about 12 advisors around the nation that was allowed to speak first and then go through compliance later, which for all the financial advisors out there, they, they know that's a weird thing. Usually, you know, these big companies, they want to make sure that they know every single thing you're going to say beforehand. But yes. I went through a bunch of media trainings. So I ended up doing uh, a lot of television, radio, and had some fun there. But I had this... I had this great mentor, Jordan, that when I was 40, he wrote this letter that said, you know, different than a lot of people who leave a company at midnight and take all the customer files and go to some other company, he was just going to leave the business at uh, at about 40 years old himself, which is weird because for a lot of people that's just beginning, that really the, the big years in your career, you know, you've kind of built up to that 40 to 60, 65 age. Yeah. And, and, and he said, I'm leaving and I'm leaving not because of the fact that that, that I want to go someplace else. I'm leaving because I know I have other mountains to climb. I like this business. I don't love it. And there's other things I want to do. And what's funny is he actually used that phrase, other mountains to climb. And he went and climbed Mount Everest twice after that. Wow. Yeah. And he became an adventure guide and opened an adventure travel company. So that wasn't just powerful for me. It was powerful for a lot of people. And at 41, then I sold my business and uh, I thought I was going to become a school teacher, but I was really bored while I was taking classes. And uh, and I loved the media stuff I was doing. And before you know it, we had this podcast and for some reason, people really like it. So what, what was it that you wanted to leave uh, being an Ameriprise person? What was it that you wanted to leave behind? Well, you know, I really like the company. I like the business. I didn't like the fact I, I had one client who said this, but a lot of people felt this. They say he said, you know, Joe, the reason I like having you is because when things go bad, I like having somebody I can kick. And mm-hmm. and there was there was this piece of being a financial advisor that was people not taking responsibility for their actions. And that really frustrated me. They didn't hire me because they wanted me to teach them to do it better. They hired me because they just wanted me to do it. And and I hope everyone listening to this already knows nobody's going to care about your money as much as you do. And if you're going to have a financial advisor, that's fantastic. But that advisor should be somebody who is helping teach you the ropes. So if they get hit by a truck or hit by lightning that you're doing better than you were the day before, you really don't want to hand it to somebody and have them just do it. 
Yet a lot of people do exactly that. They, they, oh, it's horrible. They want to turn over to somebody. I don't do money. Let them do it. I, I assume they're doing okay. I don't care what I'm paying them. Let them take care of it. It's too volatile for me to figure out. So what, what's wrong with that approach? Well, I think the frustration is is knowing that knowing that money fuels all the things that you really like. So even if you dislike it, if you find a way to choke down the broccoli that for some people is the money part of the whole equation, you find a way to get better at that and understand that, then, then the things that you really like, you have more fuel to do those things with. So if you like to travel, if you are good with money, you'll have more money to travel. If you just like working out or spending more time with your kids, you can spend more time away from work because you're more efficient with your dollars. So those things. And by the way, that's why we created Stacking Benjamins wasn't to teach people something. I believe that, you know, you talk a lot about, uh, like, uh, you know, with your friends about sports or about the news or what's going on in the head. Like we have all these conversations yet when it comes to money, we don't have those conversations. So Stacking Benjamins was born to be a place that was really, really light about money. Our, we joke that if we teach people anything, we're doing it all wrong. We, we, we really don't. We don't want to teach you anything about money. The show is live from my mom's basement. All the podcasters out there, as you know, Jordan, are running from mom's basement, even though they're really there. We, we decided to embrace the basement and make it, uh, make it a fun, light show so that people can start having that surround sound that we have with other areas of our life. And so tell me, how did you come up with a name and what is the name supposed to mean for people? Oh, we're stacking hundred dollar bills, right? And we mm. were worried. We were worried, Jordan, when the when the uh, Harriet Tubman thing came around that that we might have to change our name. But, <laughs> l- but, but luckily Stacking they went. <laughs> but luckily we dodged a bullet there. But luckily they chose the you know they chose the twenty instead. But but uh, it, coming up with a name was funny. We had a different name called Two Guys in Your Money because it's me and a C a current working CFP that we just call the other guy OG. And OG, uh, the reason he calls himself that is once again, back to compliance. He doesn't want to to send everything through compliance at his firm before he talks. So instead he doesn't take any clients from the show. He just uses the synonym or this, uh, this, this, this thing, this OG. Yeah. Acronym. Thank you. (laughs) We need you on the show all the time, Jordan, so I can remember what I'm saying. Uh, But we use this acronym that once again is another one of our little inside jokes because, you know, OG is is uh, the original gangsta, but we just call it other guy. Uh, So we came up with the name because it was more indicative of how light the show was. I mean, it really is a very, very light magazine style, breezy show. Segments are not that long. We don't talk about one topic for a long period of time. You've been on it. Uh, We try to just keep the show moving and make sure we get through a lot of fun material. What what are some of your regular uh, guests on Stacking Benjamins? Oh, we've had some exciting people. We not only have had some of the main people you'd expect on a money show like here, uh, like your great show. We've had Jean Chatsky from the Today Show. She's a Today Show money editor. editor. We've had uh, Jill Schlesinger, who's the CBS business editor, uh, also has a great podcast of her own called uh, Jill on Money that I really like. Rick Edelman, Barron's rated him the number one financial advisor in America. Uh, David Bach, seven-time New York Times bestselling author, the guy that has the whole latte factor thing. But also, we like having people on that that you don't really think about money. Like We like that quirky guest. So we had on Jordan, we had on the guy that broke the cannonball run record. You familiar with the cannonball run record? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he drove illegally from New York to Los Angeles for people who don't know what that is. Drove illegally across the country faster than anybody ever has. And we talked about the importance of planning, right? That you, <laughs> don't, you don't just go out in the Trans Am at midnight and go, you know what I'm thinking? You really do have to plan that. 
entire trip. We also had Don Hahn, who was the producer of Lion King and Beauty and the Beast, talking about creativity. Because people don't think enough about being creative with their goals and their retirement and how they manage money and think about money. So we try to we try to have quirky people and the people you'd find on a good money show. So it's ironic because here you have all these people, Rick Edelman and David Bach and so on. Yet you think one of the biggest problems that people have is they follow gurus too much. What's wrong with following gurus? <laughs> that is funny. I do think that. So, well, here's here's what I really think. I really think that most of us get into money because we were attracted to something or someone. I was attracted to the movie Wall Street. What were you attracted to, Jordan? Yeah, well, that was in its day. That was good. Greed is good. Greed's still yeah, good, right, I guess, right? Right, right. I was attracted to that. I know a lot of people come to our show because they started with Dave Ramsey, right? Or mm -hmm. uh, Susie Orman or, or David Bach, speaking of him, or some of these other people. Uh, Kramer, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the Motley Fool guys. Uh, I'm trying to think. Some of the house flipper people. So people start off with a guru. And the problem is, is that we don't match we don't match where we are in our life with the guru that we're listening to. So often I will have a letter from someone and I'm sure Jordan, you get these all the time, right? You get yes. somebody saying, so, so I've got $15,000 in credit card debt. How do I trade options? And, right. <laughs> and, and, and they are two different pieces of the puzzle. So, uh, my problem isn't so much with, with an individual guru is we go in because we heard about one guru and we never graduate. We don't find the guru who's right for us at that particular point in our life. So you're saying the advice they're giving is not necessarily bad, but it's not appropriate for everybody who's listening to it is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So as an example, and, and by the way, I've got this analogy because I had a hard time explaining this until I was playing a couple of years ago. I was playing, I was watching my kids play this game. They're home from college. They're playing this game called Kerbal Space Program, which, by the way, is such a cool program that uh, they actually formed an alliance with NASA. And they're these little green people, and you're trying to launch them into outer space. Mm -hmm. And what's what's funny is is that uh, is that you really learn a lot about how these rocket ships are built. So I built this rocket, and sadly for my first little green guy, Jeff. Badaya, I didn't realize you needed a parachute. And uh, so the rocket went up and then it came down really fast and poor Jebediah passed away, my little computer guy. So then I had another guy who, by the way, it's funny on the game, they look terrified, right? Because they know that we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, the next guy to parachute, but it was only a single engine rocket and it didn't have enough fuel to get very far up. We couldn't see that far. And so then we went to a, a two-stage rocket and that almost got us to the edge of space. And then we did a three-stage rocket, which is funny for those people that are space geeks like I am. It was a three-stage rocket that took us to the moon. Uh, so when we went to a three-stage space uh, rocket, I was finally able to get these little green dudes into outer space. And all of a sudden I realized I have th this is exactly what it's like for people when they're choosing gurus. Some gurus are great at the launch pad in that first stage of life. Some are fantastic to help you get a nice, beautiful view of the world and live your life the way that you want. And some are helping you go to the moon or go to Mars, which is really exciting, but is also really dangerous. And so I kind of separate the separate the gurus into three different pieces. So how would you recommend people transition? and know when it's appropriate to transition from stage one to stage two to stage three and their gurus. 
Well, it's it's funny. I think the first thing that you have to do is look at the gurus that you're listening to now and say, what is it that these people are teaching? And is that what I really is? Is that really the part of my life that I'm at right now? So as an example, if I'm somebody who says I've got $15,000 worth of credit card debt and I want to trade options, maybe I should be looking to get rid of that credit card debt first, right? Before mm-hmm. I go do something pretty risky. Great. The, the best person I know to talk about uh, that issue is Dave Ramsey. I mean, Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey, when it comes to his debt snowball, behaviorally is the best person. Now, everybody debates whether that's really the most efficient way, but efficiency doesn't matter if you're not going to work the program. Dave Ramsey's program has been worked and worked and worked, and he's helped so many people get out of debt. That's the first thing I'd go to. Or, you know, Susie Orman, one of the best things I like about Susie Orman is she has this chapter in her first book that's all about healthy respect for a dollar. And just mm-hmm. taking, taking your money and folding it and tactile, looking at your money and putting it in in uh, in sync so that it's all together, so that you realize how hard it was to earn this money. That those are maybe the first things that you do. Those are kind of your launchpad people. And then, what would who would be in your uh, stage one? Uh, what was stage one the launch pad or stage two? Yeah, no, no, stage one and the launch pad are pretty close to the same, Jordan. Okay, I'd so also we'll, put you, you know, I'd also put uh, David Bach there. He's a mm-hmm. great guy to start with. Yeah. He's the latte factor guy telling people how much they're overspending all the time. Absolutely. You know, for somebody that's a multimillionaire, whether you buy a latte or not, it's irrelevant, right? It, it is so right. Re- and, and I believe long-term buying a latte is irrelevant. But if you're somebody, I, I had this year when I didn't make any money a long, long time ago, and I got into huge debt, had huge problems with my money, and I've written about this elsewhere. Uh, during that year, the latte factor was incredibly important. Uh, and for people just starting out in life, that's a huge thing. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Paul Sihai, who uh, is the uh, author behind the podcast Stacking Benjamins. Uh, you can find out more about it at stackingbenjamins.com. And he actually has a white paper you could get uh, there related to what we were just discussing called Launching Your Personal Financial Ro- Finance Rocket. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. 
we're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Saul Sihai, who is the person behind the Stacking Benjamins website. Uh, You can get that for free at stackingbenjamins.com. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Hey, thanks, man. I'm so happy you had me on. So we were talking about the different stages. Um, and so, again, who would be in stage two, which is the kind of middle level before you kind of go to the moon? Right. This is the area. And by the way, you know, going to the moon or to Mars is not something everybody wants, right? Everybody doesn't want this life of adventure. Well, maybe they do want adventure, but they want it in different areas of their life. They don't want it with their money. So stage two is where most of the the certified financial planners out there focus on. You're going to have the six areas of financial planning. You're going to have a well-balanced financial plan. That's why I, I characterize stage two really with guys like Rick Edelman, with people like Gene Chatsky, where they're really talking about well-rounded money management, not just the simple stuff, but also more complex things like just good asset allocation and diversification and having your insurances in order. And those are things that you'll find that Susie Orman or Dave Ramsey talk about a fair amount, but that's not their main bread and butter. You know, their main bread and butter is respect for money and getting out of debt. So CFPs live there. And by the way, I've talked to certified financial planners about stage three, and and they t- I, I I had one certified financial planner tell me you should never ever want anybody to go there, and I thought well that's that's horrible. There are people that want to go to Mars or go to the moon. They want it to be exciting. It isn't for everybody. So I want to be clear about my three stages. Just because there are three stages doesn't mean that you need all three for your financial plan. I had yes. plenty of clients that just wanted to get a nice view of the world, had enough money to do what they wanted to do, and then not worry about it. And that's a good stage two investor. And then who would be in the stage three, which is the more exciting, uh, riskier part? Oh, man. So whenever you start diving into the numbers, right, you dive into the technical aspects of how these investments work, that's when you're in the stage three people. So Robert Kiyosaki talking about small cap stocks and, mm-hmm. and, and buying property, that's, that's definitely a stage three strategy. There's lots of reward, lots of risk. Kramer, at the beginning of Jim Kramer's show, he tells you this isn't good financial planning, right? There's a yeah. lot of betting going on here. So if you're buying the hot stock that everybody's worried about right now, that's, that's going to be stage three. Uh, he said this entertainment, right? I mean, he, he says abs- right up front, it's more than an a, a investing show, it's an entertainment show. Absolutely. Yep. And so, and, and any time that you have uh, somebody on there talking about, you know, high risk things like the flipping houses, options, buying individual stocks, uh, under diversifying on purpose, really stage three is all about that. You can't get super wealthy diversifying yourself. You yeah. can only get super wealthy by focusing. And, and, and Jordan, as you know, that's the risk, right? The second that you under-diversify, if you're wrong, then there's a chance that your rocket blows up and bad things happen. Yeah, concentrating your risk, yeah. So uh, we've kind of said the positive things about those people at different stages. Let's kind of get a sense of what oh, boy, there have been some, some of their undersides. <laughs> Let's start with, uh, with Dave Ramsey, who's got a huge, uh, he does all these conventions on these Financial Peace University and all of his 
it's almost like a, a, a ministry more than a financial. Uh, so yeah. what is the downside of following Dave Ramsey? Boy, I think if you're a, at all a sophisticated investor, you start running into problems. That Ramsey, to me, has two issues. Uh, and number one is, and by the way, I'd love to have his issues, Jordan, because he's got a monster following. So he doesn't, yes. even, he doesn't care that we think he has issues. But number one is, he's talked about the fact that you can get 12% on your money. There's no certified financial planner out there that will ever tell anybody that you should look at more than 8 or 9%. Now, maybe you'll do that. Maybe you'll do better over time. But to put numbers higher than than that in your financial plan is just ridiculous. And Ramsey got into some huge fights on social media with certified financial planners. It was a real nightmare. Uh, that's probably number one. Do index funds, right? He's just basically saying do index funds. Well, well, he's saying that, but he's also he's also having people use these huge rates of return as their assumption. Like yeah. there are people thinking they're going to get a twelve percent rate of return in index funds, and the, the math does not prove that out. The second yes. thing is, if if he refers you to a Dave Ramsey certified advisor, whatever that is, uh, David, he's, they have a name for it. Those mm-hmm. advisors often use high commission products, um, which don't get me wrong. There's a lot of studies that show that most of the reason that you win is behavior. It's not fees. I mean, everybody loves to drink the fee Kool-Aid and talk about fees, fees, fees. Okay. I get it. It is something that's important, but your behavior is far more important than that. But, but I still, I don't want to walk into a place knowing I'm getting charged a huge amount of money for what often is just run of the mill stuff. So I'm yes. not a fan of that either. And then how about Susie Orman, who's not on CNBC oh, anymore, but she's got a pretty big following as well. She actually has some alliances with particular companies with selling annuities and various kinds of insurance and things. What is the downside of following Susie Orman? Well, that's, you know, we could dive into that too, but I think there's even a more broad one. She is, uh, I'm just going to say it, I think she's clueless when it comes to telling people how to invest. So once you get past the debt and the respect for money piece, man, she had a huge thing out about using municipal bonds in your plan and really over diversifying into an area of your plan that, that for the average person who's not Susie Orman, that doesn't have money coming in the mail every day in huge amounts, you know, if you're working hard for a dollar and you need to grow it, you need to think about things that will grow, not think about a strategies that just are really um, super risk adverse, just incredibly, yes. incredibly risk adverse. You got to grow your money faster than Susie can teach you. That's number one. Number two is, you know, she's gotten behind, uh, she's gotten behind some of these debit cards that are high fee debit cards. Yes. And like you've said, other products that really for somebody who's that out in the open and knows supposedly that much about how much the people that buy those products, uh, you know, it kind of smells like she's ripping people off, which is frustrating. Yes. Uh, David Bach has certainly got a lot of books out there that have been successful. Yeah. My, kind of, what is your downside with David Bach? Yeah. My only issue with David Bach, I, only, I, I think David Bach's a super guy. I think that once you're making decent money, if you spend your time focusing on these little tiny pieces of your life, like a latte versus, so that's a $5 decision, right? There's a time in your life where you need to make important $5 decisions. But at some point, you have to start thinking about growing your income and think about, you know what? I can spend the $5 if I find a job that pays me uh, double what I was making yesterday. And too many people focus on 
well, let me start that over. There's two sides of this equation. Side number one is expenses, which is what David Bach really focuses on. The other side is income. And people focus a lot on that $5 decision-making and they don't focus enough on making more. And you know what every study shown, Jordan? Making more money is way easier than most people think it is. A yes. lot of people, a lot of people work in a job where they can go to the boss tomorrow and ask them for a raise, and their boss has already said on surveys that he would give it to them if they just ask, or if they thought that, yeah. And and you know, side hustles. The number of people that you've talked to about side hustles, uh, you know, you have all these extra hours making more money. At some point, I think is the way to victory. So, so concentrating so much on the little things distracts you from the big things is what you're saying really absolutely but think about those jordan in our three-stage rocket man if you get your if you take david box advice and you get your expenses under control first and then you take Susie orman's advice and you have a healthy respect for her, you know what i made that money i can't waste it on stupid things and then uh dave ramsey helps you get your debt taken care of now you've got this solid launch pad i mean now now, when you get ready to actually make more money and to invest properly, you don't have to look in the rearview mirror and think about all these problems that might pop up later. And then the big one is Kramer, who obviously has a big following. Yeah, uh, who, who has Kramer spikes people. He says yes, people buy. He says no, people sell. He kind of moves the market in his own way. And what do you think of the dangers of following Jim Kramer? Well, you've seen the studies, right? That if you buy a stock that Jim Cramer recommends, it goes up before you have a chance to buy it. And yep. so you're going to underperform the market if you follow Kramer uh, consistently. I think that there's, I think there's a danger in just following one person's stock recommendations, especially when he's got a herd as big as he does. I mean, think about if you're if you are with a herd of people that are moving the market and you aren't the fastest trader there. You're in big trouble. Or what if you miss one show where he tells you to sell? Yeah. That's a that's a that's a scary place to be. I mean, over the past, we've had other gurus. I remember Joe Granville. Remember him? Yeah. And, uh, right. Dan Dorfman, and there have been people who kind of create these cults and move stocks moment to moment. And usually, it's asking for trouble if you're following them that closely. But then once again, there's things that Kramer talks about that I really, really like, which is, you know, think about the sectors of the economy. Like if you're going to go to the moon or to Mars, what I've really learned from Kramer is dive into the numbers, really think about, don't just take your buddy's word for it next to you, dive into into that sector. Like a lot of times companies are going to go where the companies around them are going to go. And a lot of that comes directly from Kramer. He looks at which sectors are moving and, and then looking inside those sectors to find the prime mover and not just, you know, jumping on board. He'll do a little bit of technical analysis as well as fundamental analysis. Yeah. Do you think the average person can catch on to technical analysis and make the right moves looking at charts? I think they can. Once again, it all depends on your goal. Like how I did that, Jordan. If if yes. your goal if if your goal is to be a stage two investor and do other things, there is no reason for you to waste your time doing that. But if you're somebody who's looking to go to Mars and be a phenomenal investor, I think you have to do that. But but what happens is the trends look fine, and then something in the world changes, and the charts all change. Like what just happened last week with Brexit. That was not on the charts anywhere, and all the charts all of a sudden become worthless when something in the world changes. 
Well, I think what's, yeah, I love this topic because I think what you have to do is you have to build a system for yourself, right? You build a system and a process of investing. You can't just go and and invest willy-nilly. The first thing you do is build a machine. I believe A, I believe B, I believe C, I believe D. In other words, I want my price-to-earnings ratio, as an example, to be X. I want to make sure that the company is growing at Y rate, growing sales at Y rate, whatever that might be. And then when something comes along that breaks your analysis, you look at your machine and you say, what do I need to do differently with that machine to fix that cog? I don't just throw the whole machine away. I say that there's a fault in my machine. So then I consistently am building a better and better machine. But I'll say this about things like Brixit. There are always going to be times in the market when volatility is really high because news always, always changes. You know, numbers always matter except when there's news. And and whenever news comes around, you get extreme volatility, which is the most dangerous time to trade. And that's where we've been right now, for sure. (laughs) Amen, brother. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Joe Saul Sihai, uh, whose website, whose, well, website and podcast is called stackingbenjamins.com. Uh, he's put out a report you can get for free, which is called Launching Your Personal Finance Rocket, which you can get at stackingbenjamins.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe, Joe Saul Sihai. Uh, whose podcast is called StackingBenjamins.com. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Man, um, we get to keep going, huh? You haven't kicked oh, me off yet. Oh, we get to keep going. All <laughs> right, so I'm going to talk, talk about some of the hot topics and get your, your view of them here. First of all, student loans. So student loans is up to about $1.4 trillion. A lot of people just completely buried under student loans. Uh, what do you recommend people as far as making the decision in the first place to take on student loans? And then once they have them, what does it get better? Get a better way to get out 
from the basement, even though I know you love your mother's basement, and actually <laughs> go out and have a life and not just be working for the student loan company for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, watch out, Jordan. Mom's basement is a phenomenal place to do a podcast. The, uh, a, you know, there's two things going on here. I think, first of all, there's a lot of personal accountability. Clearly, a lot of people got talked into this idea, much like they did with housing, that everybody needs a house. Everybody doesn't need a house. And everybody needs to go to college. Everybody doesn't need to go to college. And because we thought that everybody needed to go to college, people that uh, didn't do any cost-benefit analysis at all just bought into this. I, If I go to college, the income will come to pay back these student loans. And also, when you have people retiring later because of the fact that the market you know, had such a bad time 2000 to 2002 and 2007 2008 you got people working longer which meant fewer millennials were getting jobs made it tougher so you get this huge thing which means you've got people with student loans they can't pay back i think at this point we also though have to acknowledge uh just you know in the united states and elsewhere that that, that we've got we've got this we got this huge problem. I love some of the programs that companies like SoFi and Fidelity are doing where they're helping people not just not just to refinance their student loans, but they're helping employers realize that if they if they offer people the incentive that if they come work for them, they'll help them pay off their student loans, yes. that employers will get more involved. And I love seeing that. Like anytime I see something cool where the government doesn't have to step in, I'm all about that. I think I think employers that get it should totally do that because you're going to attract some fine talent that you know might not have the wherewithal I mean, to take your it, offer. It's nice. It's relatively small. They might offer 5000 or 10000 but somebody who's got a hundred thousand of student loans, you know, it's still kind of hanging over them for a long time. Uh, in, in a way, they just feel. I, I get emails from people, and you know, I'm working at Walmart. I've got nine dollars an hour, and I'm yeah. I've got one hundred and fifty thousand student loans. You know, I'm I'm like in prison for the rest of my life. Yeah, right. I mean, there's two issues there. There's three issues there. Number one, you got into a lot of debt without really having a solid uh, uh, income base game plan. Like, how am I going to pay that back? That that is problem number one. Whether people want to want want to be mad at me about that or not. But but then there is problem number two. You're working at Walmart because you can't get a different job. You know, if I mean, assuming the person doesn't like working at Walmart and they think they can earn more, uh, they're working there because of the fact that they can't get another job, which is I understand is is incredibly tough. So there's yeah. there's so many issues around student loans. Yeah. Uh, so it's but should people be make the decision in many cases not to go to college in the first place and do online yes. education or community college Correct. or technical Correct. school. I mean, what should people go through before they make this huge financial commitment that could kind of burden them for the rest of their lives? I totally agree with that. You don't, you don't need to go to college. Think about what you really want to do. There is, there are so many great jobs out there that don't require a, 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 a college education. As an example, a friend of ours, their son just became a welder. And he certainly is going to take some welding classes. But man, the world needs welders. And this guy's right. going to get paid a nice sum of money. And he's also going to avoid a bunch of you know fees. He's going to get a head start into the job world where other people are going to take another four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Uh, you know, there's a lot of upside there. I think you have to you have to think about that. I think that the the second thing is you you also have to if you are going to go to college you have to look at the cost benefit of that school. I think people are too attracted to names, Jordan, and yes. certain and certainly, uh, uh, you know, my friend's daughter just graduated from Notre Dame, 
And Notre Dame is that name is going to pay in some ways because Notre Dame people take care of Notre Dame people, right? Uh, so if you've got have those people around around the world or around the nation, you might get jobs from that alumni network. But I think sometimes people overstate that. If, if, if you're going to go to undescript state university, which costs a lot of money, versus local community college, which costs very little money, uh, if the name recognition isn't going to increase your chance of getting a higher paying job, uh, you know, make it as make it as inexpensive as possible. I, I actually had a friend in college who did this way, you know, I'm an old guy way back in the day. He actually two years at Delta Community College uh, near Saginaw. Uh, went there specifically because he could get the the cost of his school down so much, and then he transferred to Michigan State, where I met him, uh, and paid more for his class. Michigan State's not a hugely expensive school, but it's way more expensive than Delta Community College. So he got through school and ended up with great great jobs in the healthcare field uh, right after and graduation. Nobody's going to ask where you were at Delta Community College the first two years. Exactly right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so do you think online education? Um, is is an attractive alternative for people. Uh, They can see the exact same classes if they were at Stanford or MIT uh, for free. (laughs) Is that a a possible alternative for a lot of people? I do, but, you know, like as an example, I was just looking at the MIT stuff. You know, actually getting the the degree that says MIT for a lot of people is the important part. And a lot of those free online classes where you get the knowledge but not the degree, those, those, you don't get that piece of paper. So if you're chasing the paper... I would say no, thank you. Um, and, and there's another piece that you miss out on online education too, because I've had people t- t- tell me before they're like, "Well, I didn't, I, I, I just wanted to learn about this, and I didn't want to learn about this." You know what? The best thing you learn in college when you're with other people is is networking. And yes. networking pays tons and tons and tons of money. And you and I, who have been around, you know, more than a few days, we know, Jordan, that a lot of life, whether you like it or not, is who you know. And if you Absolutely. have those right yeah. connections, and you right. can't make those sitting in mom's basement doing it uh, online, even no matter right. what I no matter what I tell my mom, you can't do it. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's go to another topic, which is credit card debt. So we recently reached a trillion dollars in credit card debt for the first time ever. Uh, lots of people pay off in full, but I think something like 40% of the people with credit cards revolve the balances on a regular basis, paying 13, 18, 20, 30%, some ridiculous rates. Credit seems to be widely available. Now we've gone way past the days when everybody was, credit lines were getting cut back. What is your assessment of the credit card situation, what people should do to have a better control of it all? Well, I think that's exactly it, is we need to have better control of how we manage money on a day-to-day basis. And nobody knows how to balance their checkbook, right? Nobody does that. Nobody nobody uh, has any idea how much money they have in their checking account. They kind of run it on a gut feel. And when you do that, you might get the day-to-day normal numbers that you have every day. I can spend X amount of money, but you forget the big things like when your muffler's dragging behind your car. That's not predictable. So the unpredictable stuff is what generally sends people into the credit card debt spiral and gets things started. Uh, so I think today there's really 
very little excuse for not having a good handle on your money. And I'll tell you two things that I like. Number one, I really, really like using a lot of the apps that are out there. There are so many awesome free tools to help people not only figure out how much money they have and to keep track of how much money they have available, but also there are also tools which help you get money saved and it and without you even thinking about it. So what would be I, some examples of some apps you would like, yes. just one or two. Sure. Uh, so so on the money management side, uh, I really really like the Mint app. Now here's the deal: it's a free app. The way that they pay for it, the way they make money, is they're going to barrage you a little bit with offers of, hey, you could do better if you had this thing that pays us. I just ignore all those things. Here's what I like: I can take my budget and I can put it into little pieces like entertainment. So if I'm at a restaurant, I can say I'm only going to spend X amount per week at restaurants. The second that I go over, I I get a message immediately that says, you just went over your, you just went over your restaurant allocation this week. And it's that notification that kind of keeps me in check. I love that. Then on the other side, on the saving side, I love two things. I like Digit. Digit is this cool app, once again, free, where uh, they figure out how much money it just consistently sits in your checking account that you don't need, and they slide it over into a separate savings account. Now, the bad news is that separate savings account doesn't pay any interest, so you're going to have to move it again. But the cool thing, Jordan, is once it's out of your brain, right, once it's out of your checking account, you're less likely to spend it. Studies show that if you start off with your money in savings and then move it to checking, you're going to do far better than if you start with your money in checking and then move some over to savings. So digit, digit's another one I really like. So uh, if, if you have a lot of credit card debt, there's two ways people can deal with it, which is nonprofit credit counseling and there's for-profit debt settlement. Yeah. Uh, what is the difference between those two and, and do you have a, a way that people, if they're really piled under in credit card debt, what they should do? Well, here's, here's the first thing that you do. I would avoid the bankruptcy step at, at all costs. And if you go to the wrong person, uh, which there's a lot of people out there that are uh, hawking all kinds of stuff. The wrong person's going to tell you, you know what, uh, uh, just declare bankruptcy. And the only reason they're telling you that, Jordan, is because of the fact that that's what they do, right? right. They, get the, they get paid to put you through bankruptcy. I'll tell you, I have yet to meet a person who didn't say, man, that didn't totally just blow well worse than I thought it was going to. It, it yes. just, it, it, it is, it is horrible. Now it got them out of the problem. And then seven years later, the, the, the slate in most cases is wiped clean. So it does give you the opportunity. But I think the first thing you do is you do these credit counseling, these nonprofit credit counseling. I like those first. I'll tell you mm -hmm. what a lot of them do. And even some of the for-profits, like uh, companies like Payoff. I don't have any relationship with Payoff, uh, but they are a company where they they help you out by, they will, they will if, if you qualify, they will take all of your loans and they will loan you that money. They'll pay off all your creditors and then they'll make sure you pay off this single loan to them. That's a for-profit company. And I still like that idea. I think that's is that like a loan consolidation. Basically it is, it is, it's a loan consolidation. And then the, but then they have people that continually work with you just like the nonprofit places do. I mean, the key here, the key here that I like, whether it's profit, for-profit or not-for-profit, is the communication piece. The fact that you're being held accountable to your expenses and you're communicating with somebody who's maybe not in the family that uh, is helping you work through at this you mean difficult like an accountability time. partner is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Like a coach, you know, like a money coach. Good stuff there. You can be very isolated when you're in debt and 
feel like the world's against you, and it's nice to have somebody kind of on your side. Yeah, not just a cheerleader, but somebody who, who's been there before. And, and how about the debt settlement firms? You still hear them on radio occasionally. Uh, you know, we'll settle your debt for 50 cents of the dollar. You don't have to pay it and all that. What do you think of those people? I would go to the nonprofit or the for the for profit first. I would hang on to my debt first, and then I would ask those people about which debt settlement companies they like and which ones they think that I'm. I, I would get a trusted person in my corner first because, as you know, those debt settlement companies can also be sketchy. Indeed, and the laws changed in 2011, not allowing them to charge upfront fees at the right. Federal Trade Commission, but they still do it anyway in many cases, right. and they promise huge reductions in your debt and the creditors in many cases do not cooperate with them. And, so, and, and, and I get frustrated because like anything, they're not all bad, as you know, it's just finding the good ones is a pain. So, uh, which is why I do the, I do the, uh, coaching first and then have that person point me to one. That's not going to scam me. Very good. All right. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the money answer show. Uh, my guest this hour is Joe Saul. See uh, His website and podcast is called stacking Benjamins. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Joe Saul Sihai, uh, whose podcast is called StackingBenjamins.com, one of the biggest podcasts out there. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks, man. And I'm still waiting for a money answer. When do we get that? <laughs> well, I'm giving you money answers all the time. <laughs> I know, all right, so here's what I want you to answer. Explain to the audience why you have negative interest rates around the world. There's something like $8 trillion in uh, bonds literally oh. trading at negative rates, and some cases even going further negative. Why That's- is this a policy being uh, po- followed by all these central banks around the world? Oh, man. So, okay, this is the first thing we've talked about that's above my pay grade. 
<laughs> because, because really, I'm in personal finance. There isn't much we can do. But I, now, I will also tell you, uh, listen to me backtracking here, that um, I, I really, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but I really have a bad conspiracy theory feeling about negative interest rates. Because what negative interest rates does is it says that to park your money in a bank, and it doesn't work as simply as this, but to park your money in a bank is going to cost you. So so instead of parking your money in the bank, you should go buy stuff. And by buying stuff, then you're going to help the economy. So negative interest rates, sure, they spur the economy, but they encourage deficit spending. And as we've seen from a lot of areas of our life, people are dumb enough to do that. We're we're just going to go do what they tell us. The other scary thing, and this is the conspiracy theory part uh it it also makes it so that so that uh, governments can very quickly get rid of cash and make it so people so so if a government decides you know what we're going to start issuing less cash and have money be electronic like we're seeing in scandinavia a little bit now well if we get to the point that there's no cash system it's a cashless system now i have to pay money leave my money in the bank or i have to pay to buy something i can't I don't, and don't get me wrong. I'm the guy that thinks that having money in your basement is the dumbest thing you could ever do. But I like having the ability to do that if I choose. That ability now is gone uh, if it's negative interest rates coupled with a cashless society. So uh, I am not a fan of negative interest rates. Yeah. Well, apparently, one thing that's helped is safe sales of safes. Right. 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 But if we go to a, run on safes, because it doesn't make sense to put it at the bank. So people are literally taking cash at home. The mattress isn't quite as good. So if you want a good investment, safe sales would be a good place. But if we go to a cashless society, look at the nightmare then. So let's talk about the cashless society. So are you a big investor in Bitcoin? And what what should people expect about Bitcoin? (laughs) If we have any Stacky Benjamins listeners to this show, they they just started laughing right now because I don't get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I get it, and I've we've had all of our uh, all of our Bitcoin fan listeners explain it to me. I didn't even need it explained because I understand how it works. I understand why people like it. I get all that. I just don't understand why you do it. Like, like, well, why do I want a currency that the IRS has already said that if I isn't legal tender? So I might pay capital gains to buy a sandwich. I don't like that. <laughs> there was there was just a story a week ago about all this money with this new Bitcoin competitor uh, that that got ripped off, like tons and tons of money. There was a story about a year and a half ago that we did on Stacking Benjamins over in, in the Far East when uh, uh, Mount Gox, Mount Gox, yeah, yeah, when they actually accidentally put the money in the wrong pocket right. <laughs> when, when it's electronic and I, I don't I understand I understand it I get the promise I get the hope I just I just don't know why I would take a dollar of mine right now and put it toward that I I, I don't understand okay so now let's talk about the hottest topic at the moment which is brexit so tell me exactly how this is all going to work out now that Britain is pulling out of the United Kingdom. Oh, what the I got the I got the mom brought me the crystal ball over here and it's so bad that it is cracked uh, that I have no idea. Isn't that uh, yeah, yeah, I don't and once is this again, gonna mean the disintegration of Europe? Ultimately some people are saying this is the first of the cracks that everybody's now gonna want to pull out from the European Union and this could be the end of Europe. 
Okay, let's just start with let's just start with what we know. So we know that they pulled out. We also know that when one company pulls out, or one company, one country pulls out, that greases the skids for other countries and makes them start saying, "Well, you know, should we do this too? Which one's better for us?" And if they did it, so now you're going to have citizens of different countries in the EU saying the same same thing: should we or shouldn't we? So there's the chance of that. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but it's certainly a much better chance than it was before. I'll tell you what I think is more likely. I think that the UK as an entity is definitely in trouble. I mean, Scotland, uh, my understanding is largely voted to stay in the Correct. EU. And so, you know, if I'm in Scotland right now, I'm like, here's our opportunity to exit stage left. Uh, the, the Irish, you know, for a long time have wanted to have a unified country over there. So we might see, we, I, I think, I think that at the very least, the UK is going to be an incredibly volatile place for the foreseeable future. Europe, obviously, is is the next thing. Um, so, uh, what, what are the so say that happens? UK is volatile. Europe has all these troubles. What does that impact on us? Does that make us a better place to put your money as a safe haven with all this chaos going on in Europe? You know, I no, I don't know that I don't know that to be the case because of the fact that we have our own troubles in the United States and we definitely have an an election that either way that you go with this election is going to bring its own new uh, new issues and new difficulties. So, um, and you look at the economy; the economy here is is good, but when you look at growth and jobs, which has been okay, uh, growth and jobs is not as robust though in the sectors where the high you know the the places where we make new millionaires. We're not seeing that the income dis- income disparity keeps going up, uh, yeah. so so that keeps widening. So I I don't here here's what I know. I know that volatility is fantastic. If anybody's listening that's young, volatility is fantastic and it's not something to fear. It's something that we love as an investor because if the market goes down, I get to buy more shares. And if I'm diversifying, if I'm that stage two investor and I'm I'm diversifying my portfolio a lot, I can get more shares at a cheaper price. If I'm a stage three investor going for Mars, I even have opportunities that I might not have had a month ago. Uh, but it's more of a bet now than it was before for stage three investors. I mean, it's always a bet. But it's but it's even a riskier bet than before. But so volatility. If I'm young, I'm loving it. If I'm older and I'm listening to this and I'm close to my goals, I got to really be thinking carefully about my exit strategy and about how I remove money from the market um, because I don't want to move it all too soon and lose out on the potential for that money to continue to grow. But I also don't want to be left, you know, uh, eating half the half the food that I was eating earlier. Yes. Okay. Well, you were the one who predicted the real estate bust uh, <laughs> to the day, as I remember. So, um, what is the next bubble that's going to burst? Since your your crystal ball is, is uh, uh, did I do that? I don't remember doing that. But yes, uh, yes. but but yeah. But I'll take credit for all that. Well, the, the the next bubble that's going to burst. I think that the you know. I only know the piece of the puzzle that I know well, and I'm in the uh, I'm in the fintech arena a lot, uh, like you are. I think that the startup bubble. I think that investors have already start stopped funding some of these silly new ventures we've seen lately. A lot of this internet 2.0. I think that if uh, somebody's looking for a lot of these next hot things, I think there's going to be fewer next hot things now than there was before. I know that, uh, so I can predict that one. How's that? And since you're in the Texas area, is the oil bubble going to burst and get worse or or have we hit bottom 
Well, uh, I don't know. And once again, this is for entertainment purposes only. But I, but I, uh, uh, here's what I, what I do think. I think that Texas is a more diversified economy than it was the last time. And a lot of people on Wall Street don't understand how diversified the Texas economy is. So when you look at some of the banks out here, uh, that really their prices have been really beaten up, uh, mostly because of the oil impact. Um, you know, I think I might look again at those banks because they're not carrying the huge amount of oil. They certainly have a lot of oil on the books, but not as much as they had uh, back the last time oil crashed. So do you think oil has bottomed or not where it is now, roughly? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. That's all up to Saudi Arabia. If I knew it was, uh, if I knew what was going on in, uh, OPEC's head, I could tell you certainly Russia is, uh, they've already really crushed Russia. So I'm not as worried about them anymore. I see. Very good. Very good. All right. We had a lot of fun. Uh, my guest this hour has been Joe Saul, uh, Sihai, uh, who is, uh, the uh, author and uh, provocateur, I guess you might say at <laughs> stacking Benjamins. Uh, one of the best, well, well-attended uh, podcasts out there. Uh, he has a uh, white paper you can get for free called Launching Your Personal Finance Rocket, the surprising reason why you shouldn't take advice from Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, or The Motley Fool. Uh, so go to Stacking Benjamins. You can sign up for his thing and hear all of what he's doing there. So thanks. You've been a, a, a good sport, Joe. Thank you so much. Oh, Thanks for having me, Jordan. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.